Bible, turn with me to Psalm 121. That's where we're going to be this afternoon. And this is even a passage that I came to this week uh, as I was experiencing different challenges and grief and so forth and so forth this past week myself. And I pray uh, that it encourages you all, us all, as we look at it together this afternoon. So Psalm 121 reads as follows says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall strike you by day, shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you uh, for this truth. Uh, thank you for, yeah, you being our help in our time of need. Uh, thank you for how that was true for me this past week. Thank you for how that was true for all of us this past week, Lord. Uh, even just this day, Lord, with us coming in. Uh, with, with heavy hearts, with, with challenges, with trials, with situations that you know, God. Uh, things, Lord, that, uh, that only you can help us with, Lord. And so, God, I pray in this time uh, that you would do just that, uh, that you would help us all to look to the help of you in the midst of everything that we are experiencing. And God, I just pray for encouragement. I pray for grace. I pray for strength. I pray uh, for mercy pray that you would uh, speak now through your word to our hearts, Lord, in every way that you see fit. Use it, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So if you're taking notes, three points for us this afternoon. Uh, number one, the Lord helps his people. You see that in verses one through two. Number two, the Lord keeps his people. You see that in verses three through six. Number three, the Lord protects his people. We see that in verses 7 through 8. So just a little context about the passage before we dive into each point. Uh, this is a psalm of ascent. Uh, the, the psalm is a, a song sung by the pilgrims on the way to Jerusalem. Right? And so the psalmist, number two, looks to the hills or the mountains and asks about the source of his help. So in Psalm 120, the psalmist was stuck in a distant and hostile place. In our psalm, Psalm 121, he seems to be on the move, and so the idea of him, him walking and looking to the hills from which his help comes from. And three, the psalm expresses deep confidence in God's ability to protect him and us uh, and the community. Notice that the psalmist is speaking to others as you look in verse three. He's speaking to, to not just himself or to his situation or to the, the context, if you will, but to, to everybody that the Lord uh, can help and protect. So it's with this background that we come to our first point. Number one, the Lord helps his people. The Lord helps his people. Look back with me at verses one through two. It says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So imagine the scene. The psalmist is strolling along the mountains. He sees them. And then questions where his source of help comes from. 
He then, with confidence, says in verse 2, that his help comes from the Lord. He sees it. He's walking. He's wondering, questioning. And then has a moment of confidence where he's like, man, my help comes from the Lord. So a question for us all, has that ever happened to you? Has that ever happened to you? Where you've been in moments, maybe even this past week, like I was, or any of us. Mm-hmm. Or just situations that you might be experiencing where you're like, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to make it through this? What do I need? How, how do I get from point A to point B in the midst of the, the challenges or trials that I'm experiencing? And then you have a moment of clarity, just like the psalmist here. A moment of conviction where he's like, you know, my help comes from the Lord. My help comes from the Lord. And so then who is the Lord? Well, we learned two things in this text about who the Lord is. So number one, he is the Lord, capital, all capital letters there, L-O-R-D. So your translation should have that in all caps. Uh, When it's spelled like this in all caps, it's referring to God's personal name. It's referring to, to who he is as Yahweh. Right? This is the same name the Lord tells Moses to tell the people when he goes. Uh, listen to Exodus 3, 13 to 15. It says, Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. Thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. This is a beautiful truth. That that our help is in the personal God who has given us his personal name, Yahweh. So something we learned from the psalmist here is that he knows the Lord personally. Again, see how he personally and confidently says, my, in the beginning of verse 2. There's a sense of ownership there. There's a sense of, of, of personal uh, experience there, relationship there, right? And he's like, my help. We learn that God knows him personally, even to the degree of relating to him with his personal name, his divine name. Amen. So in other words, God is personally devoted to helping the psalmist, and he is personally devoted and committed to helping his people today. That is a truth that we can bank on. That is a truth we can find encouragement in this afternoon, that this is what God is devoted to. He is devoted to helping his people. We see that all throughout the Bible of him helping his people, helping the children of Israel, helping the church, helping us today. Not only do we learn God's personal name here, but we also learn that he is the creator, right? See that in verse 2? It says, who made heaven and earth. So the Lord, Yahweh, is the creator. He is the sovereign ruler. He is God. He is the maker of heaven and earth maker of everything and everyone. This is who he is, the maker of all things, including you and me. And it's with this confidence that the psalmist can say, my help 
comes from the Lord. I mean, just think about that for a second. If the Lord, who made the heavens and the earth, so he made the heavens and the earth, then surely whatever we're facing, whatever we have faced, whatever we will face, whatever we're facing right now, surely he can help us. This is the Lord, this is Yahweh, who made the heavens and the earth. Made everyone and everything. He is in control. He is the sovereign ruler. There's nothing outside of his control. There's nothing that he isn't attentive to. This is who he is. So surely, if he made the heavens and the earth family, surely he can help you today in every situation. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're experiencing right now, whatever challenges you are experiencing, whatever doubts you might be having, whatever fears you might be having, whatever sins you're struggling with, I'm struggling with, whatever, anything that we are experiencing, God can help. Hallelujah. He can help. He is devoted to Helping us. Only Christians can have this type of confidence in God. Mm -hmm. Only Christians can have this type yeah. of confidence. This is a beautiful thing. So Christians, do we believe that this afternoon? Mm -hmm. Do we believe this, that, that God is your helper? Mm -hmm. Let that sink in for a second. God is your helper. He's my yeah. helper. He can and will help us. For anyone who doesn't know the Lord, for, for folks that we know who may not know Christ yet, I guess the question for them would be, well, who ultimately helps them? Who ultimately helps you? Uh, I, think it's, I think it's a reminder that we have to be reminded of is that, that God causes it to rain on the just need. Even in that, there is still mercy that is being displayed to those who have not truly relinquished their lives over to Christ yet. Even God in a, in a awesome, loving, caring way still is in control and sovereign and ruling and even using those things in hopes to draw that person to faith. To draw that person from looking in their situations thinking that they have it under control, that they are the one pulling you know what I mean, and running the show but to put their eyes on God, similar in the same way the psalmist is doing, of like, I'm looking to the hills from where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. This is the type of mercy that God wants to grant anyone who doesn't know him. And that mercy is through the good news of Christ in that, that you and I were created in the image of God after his likeness. And we are fallen. We are sinful. And we are in need of saving. And the only way that we can be saved is through the Savior yeah. who was sent, Jesus, God, man, God, man, sent to live a perfect, sinless life in our place, to die the death that you and I deserve on the cross, and to be raised from the dead with all power and dominion on the third day. This is what Jesus has done. Yeah. This is the ultimate help that he has provided to all who would say, I can't help myself. I need your help. And he will provide that help in a salvific sense. Yeah. He will save. And so for anyone who doesn't know the Lord, we want to ask you to plead with the Lord that he might help you this afternoon. That he might grant you saving faith. And that you might receive his mercy this afternoon. And for us who do know the Lord, who when we go throughout this week, 
whether in work or wherever we might be, and we are engaging with non-Christians, we want to take this kind of hope with us. We want to take this kind of help with us to share, to show, and to, yeah, to put on display that God is the only one that can help and provide the hope that we all need. So that's number one. The Lord helps his people. Number two, the Lord keeps the Lord keeps his people. Look back with me at verses 3 through 6. It says, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Verses 3 through 4, we learn that the Lord would not let the psalmist's foot be moved. One translation puts it, and I love it, it says, he won't let his foot slip. He won't let his foot slip. Now, I believe this has a, a, a double meaning. In one sense, it, it fits the context of our passage as the psalmist is walking up the mountain, checking out the scenery, right? So God will keep his footing in that sense, right? And for anyone who uh, is a hiker or does mountain climbing in the room, you know that that is a crucial thing. Uh, I see everybody looking around. <laughs> not me. Definitely not me. Definitely you. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that is a crucial aspect to surviving, right? To hiking, to mountain climbing, that you keep your foot, right? So it's in this sense, he won't let his foot slip, right? In another sense, the Lord is able to keep us Christians from slipping. He will keep your foot planted. What this means is, is that this is good news that, that for any of us who struggle with sin, and that's all of us, we all struggle with sin, this is good news that, that he can keep us from stumbling. He promises to do so. He can and he will if we look to him and ask him to help us to not fall into temptation, to not fall into particular sins that we that were once, yet yeah, we were once chained to, enslaved to, that he can help us to not fall into those particular sins and to keep fighting and to keep repenting and trusting and believing him for the freedom that we already have. This is also good news for those of us who are suffering, right? That we can find hope this afternoon that the Lord can keep us grounded in the midst of every storm, in the midst of every trial, temptation, and challenge, the Lord can keep our foot, our feet grounded. And not only this, but God is on a 24-7 watch for us. He's on 24-7 watch for you. He says, he who keeps you will not slumber, will neither slumber nor sleep. So when we're asleep, we're knocked out, God is watching over us. God is watching over you. When we are putting our children to bed, or when we're stressing over health issues, or, or we can't sleep, we're anxious, we're overwhelmed because of particulars in the day-to-day -day of work and life and family, God is the one who's watching over us. God is the one who is ultimately in control. He is the one when we don't see our little ones sleeping or our not-so-little ones anymore. He is the one watching over them, and we need not to fret. We need not to worry. For any of our children who are outside of the house right now, 
or whomever, like he is watching over them, right? So we have to be reminded that wherever we are, and whatever we're doing, whether night or day, we have a God who is on 24-7 watch for us. And that is a beautiful thing to be reminded of. Yeah. The God of the universe is watching, yeah. keeping watch, not sleeping, not sleeping. In verses 5 through 6, we continue to see this truth about God being our keeper teased out a bit more. Look there with me. What does it say? It says, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The idea here is that God is close to us. That's what it's referring to with, with God being the shade on your right hand, as some commentators suggest. So he's, so he's close, meaning that he's close to us, that he is present with us. But he's also our protector, our keeper. This idea here in verse 6, it says that the shade is, is close to you and protects you from harmful effects of the sun. So it's, in that sense, God is protecting us. But it says he won't let the sun or the moon harm you. Now, one could probably see how the sun could bring harm. But, but, but how would the moon bring harm? One commentator helps us to, to think about this. He says, first... Sun and moon may be used as a mirrorism simply to say, again, that God is on 24-hour watch over his people. Secondly, in the ancient Near East, both sun and moon were thought to be deities that could bring harm on people. So in some sense, the psalmist here is speaking to those ideas as well. But when we look back at Genesis 1, we know that there is only one creator. There's only one creator, the creator God, so this dispels, I believe, that false claim. I believe the main point that God is trying to get across here is that, again, as the psalmist says, and even as the commentator says, is that he is on 24-7 watch over his people, constantly protecting us from all dangers. So the Lord keeps his people. And lastly, the Lord protects his people. The Lord protects his people. Look that with me in verses 7 through 8. It says, The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Christian, I, I, I think for us as Christians, these verses remind us again that God is our protector. He is our protector, Right? Listen to them again. It says, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. I love how one other translation puts it. It says, he will keep your soul. He will keep your soul. He will keep your going out and your coming in now and forevermore. Now, I do want to dispel some, some things that could raise up, right? When you hear that type of talk, right, that, that he will keep us from all evil, that no evil will come our way. Once we're a Christian, no, we know that's not true, right? Uh, we have to dispel those lies and those myths, right? That, that when we come to Christ, that it's going to be all peaches and cream. I know if we, if we even spent some time this afternoon, we could spend time just sharing how that's not the truth, right? Since we've been Christians, our lives have been good, but we've also experienced much challenge, right? And so some of us, if we're not careful, 
we can still feed into the lies, right? That Christians shouldn't experience any type of evil, that there shouldn't be any type of suffering, or there shouldn't be any type of hard times. Again, I don't think this is what the psalmist is, is getting after here. I don't think this is how we should interpret the passage. So Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, suffered. God himself suffered. If he did, us Christians are not exempt. Think about how Peter puts it in 1 Peter 2.21. What does he say? He says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. We come to Christ. We receive, even as we talked about yeah, the, the, the blessedness that we receive in Christ, all the spiritual blessings that we receive in Christ. We also experience suffering. The way of the Christian is the way of suffering. Jesus actually promised us that we're going to go through stuff. He tells us in Matthew 5, 11 through 12, he says, he says, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Verse 12, he says, rejoice and be glad. Your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Two things just to point out in that text real quick. One, he says, blessed are you. And I know that is kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? That is kind of like an upside down thing when we think about it like there's, there's blessedness in this? How can it be blessedness in the midst of suffering, in the midst of trials? What he says Blessed are you when others do these particular things to you. And secondly, he says, rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad. Why? For your reward is great in heaven. That's why you can rejoice and be glad. That's how you can rejoice and be glad. The blessedness is coming. We've already are experiencing it, but there will be one day where we'll be with God. So the trials and the sufferings and the temptations in this life are preparing us for the life to come where those things will not be no more. He's using those things to shape us in him now, to give us more of himself now, only to one day be with him I think a better way to interpret this passage would be how Luke 21, 17 to 18 puts it, excuse me. It says this. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. So again, two things can be true at the same time. Two things can be true at the same time. You can be experiencing all kinds of evil, all kinds of suffering, all kinds of pain, yet at the same time be being kept by the Lord. Be being kept by the Lord. I don't believe keeping you from all evil doesn't mean you won't experience any evil. It means, as the next verse says, he will ultimately keep your soul. He will ultimately keep your soul. As Luke 21, 18 says, not a hair on your head will perish, ultimately. 
You may perish in this life, and you will. You may have trials and temptations and struggles in this life, and sufferings in this life, but this should give us hope this afternoon. Hope ultimately in the life to come again, so that even if we die, and we will, Christians, we will, we live. We will die, but we will live. His promise to keep you now and forevermore will be fulfilled in the resurrection. This is the promise. This is the hope that we can cling to. This is the hope that we can cling to for our loved ones who have gone and went with the Lord. That yeah, they may have perished in this life. They will live again. And we will too, Christians. We will live again. So in the midst of a world full of evil, in the midst of a world full of trials and challenges, things that we may even experience tomorrow, in work, in family, on our blocks where we live, in our communities, we have to keep our eyes on heaven. We have to keep our eyes on the hope of heaven. In that one day, those things again will not be any more. And that through the midst of those things, we can find our help and our hope in the Lord. So during our trials, trust in the promise of heaven and that God will keep you ultimately now and forevermore. In your sufferings, keep your eyes, keep your gaze upon the hope that we have in heaven. That God is able to keep you now. That he is able to help you now. He will ultimately help you when we're with him in heaven. In our battles with sin. Struggles with temptation. We may struggle. And we will struggle. But again, Jesus has paid our sin debt in full. We are no longer as Christians enslaved to sin. He has provided a way of escape, as the Bible tells us, each and every time. We don't have to run to sin. We can run to the Savior. So in the midst of trials, temptations, struggles, pain, grief, hurt, let's continue to keep our gaze towards heaven and our hope in the gospel. That ultimately, he is helping us now and will forever Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this reminder, this encouragement. Yeah, Lord, that our help comes from the Lord. That you are our helper, that you are our keeper, that you are our protector. God, I need that reminder. I think we all need that reminder. Living a fallen, sick, hurting, broken world. We are broken ourselves. We need your help daily. I pray, Lord, that in those moments, Lord, of of challenges, whatever they may be, the laundry list of things that we experience help us to always be reminded that we can come to you. 
and find help and hope in you. Help us to do that today. Help us to do that tomorrow and in the days and weeks and months and years ahead as you would tarry, Lord. We don't know what tomorrow will bring, but you do. And with whatever tomorrow may bring, give us the strength, give us the grace, the mercy, see it through. And also, Lord, help us to be reminded that you're using all of these different things, Lord, to glorify yourself. You use our pain. You use our struggles. You use our hurts. You use it all. There's nothing wasted with you. You don't waste anything. You use it all to glorify yourself, to strengthen us, to grow us, to prune us. So Lord, help us to be reminded of that aspect too, that you use all these different things. These momentary afflictions are preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Help us to know that. Help us to trust you in the midst of that. And God, because you are our help, as Brother Brock already prayed, just praying for, for all those particular things and, and other things that, are, that have been unspoken, Amongst this congregation. You know all our needs. You know everything, Lord, that is weighing us down, even right now. You know particular hardships, Lord, that families are experiencing. Conversations that have been hard. You know it all. Job situations that are hard. Roommate situations that are hard. Whatever those things are, you know them all. And you're able to help. You're able to provide wisdom. You're able to provide grace, strength, clarity. Do that for us, we pray. And much, much more beyond what we can even ask or imagine or think of for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.